Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Hey, if you're a fellow podcaster, let me tell you about Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. That's right. They're providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space, so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today and become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And let them know the nerd sent you by adding our podcast, The Amazing Nerd Show, in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. Once again, that's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. Nerds, it's time to suit up and nerd up. Launching Badass Rockabilly Track. Now rerouting to Chuck E. Cheese. Time to save the world with some wrestling, video games, movies, horror, and more. Launching ANS in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Amazing Nerd Show. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, on today's show, we've got your weekly dose of WandaVision as we take a deep dive into the latest episode. We're also reviewing Nicolas Cage's newest madcap adventure, Willy's Wonderland. Plus, we discuss this past weekend's WWE's Elimination Chamber and what it could mean for WrestleMania. And that's, of course, not all as we talk all the latest in gaming news and the 25th anniversary of Pokemon in Christian's Corner. All right, but before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five-star review and dm us a screenshot not only will we read it on the show but we'll send you some amazing nerd show swag let's get into the news every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of nerdum we're not mild-mannered reporters we're mere podcasters with opinions so man this was a really busy news week so uh we're gonna go through the news segment kind of rapid fire style uh so let's get into it yeah, starting off, we had some big Marvel and Disney Plus news. So yes, after uh, numerous ridiculous title teases from the cast of the movie this week, uh, we finally got the official title of the third Spider-Man film, which is No Way Home, which is probably the only title with the word home in it that I didn't guess. Disney also had a few more reveals up their sleeves as they announced the premiere date for the Disney Plus Loki series, uh, which is June 11th, and the Clone Wars spin-off series, Bad Batch, uh, which will be coming out on Star Wars Day, May 4th. Well, it's good to see that we're gonna only get like a short break between, you know, Marvel shows, but we will get another Star Wars series. I'm sure Damon is super excited for the Bad Batch. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens next. I'm being open-minded, goddammit. And that's right in between <laughs> the two Marvel, you know, shows. Exactly. So, you know, we got Black Widow happening in between there too, hopefully, knock on yeah, wood. fingers crossed. <laughs> so, I mean, life's good, right? Who can complain? Yeah, well. <laughs> You'll find a way, you asshole, but. <laughs> so speaking of Star Wars, the Ahsoka series may have casted its Ezra Bridger with um, Aladdin's Mina Masood. Yeah, so part of the premise of the upcoming Ahsoka series has long been rumored to be about Ahsoka and possibly Sabine's search for Ezra after the events of the finale of uh, the Rebel series. Uh, my daughter, like, is obsessed with that freaking Aladdin film. So at this point, I feel like I know Mina pretty well. And he's a talented actor who I think could pull off the role. I'm just excited that we're going to get a live action version of this character and a continuation of this awesome story. 
And how awesome is it that we know that Thrawn isn't too far behind either? Well, I haven't seen the new uh, version of Aladdin, but I mean, I, I'm excited to see Ezra be brought into live action. I loved everything they did with Ahsoka, so let's just keep the ball rolling, you know? I agree. All right, and it looks like the Flash film has casted a new Supergirl. So yes, uh, the young and the restless standout, uh, Sasha Kali, and forgive me if I'm mispronouncing the name, uh, will appear as the character in the upcoming Flashpoint film, and she'll be the first Latina actress to portray the role. Uh, filmmaker Andy Muschietti revealed that she got the part in a video that went viral uh, posted on his Instagram account this past week. Uh, the director reportedly saw hundreds of actresses but uh, she was just the perfect fit. It is not yet clear whether or not her character will hail from the main DC film's timeline or from another location in the multiverse, since it's a multiverse film. We also got to debunk some casting news for Jennifer Lawrence and Fantastic Four. Yes, uh, this rumor went viral last weekend um, and was quickly debunked by uh, Justin Kroll, who is a pretty reliable uh, reporter for the Hollywood trade deadline. Uh, he posted, all I'm going to say is Marvel just started meeting with writers on the Fantastic Four. There is no script and it will be a while before the film starts shooting. Uh, the original report was saying that uh, Lawrence was traveling to Australia to start shooting soon. So this doesn't mean that, you know, Disney hasn't spoke to her about the role, uh, but the initial report saying that she was traveling to shoot the film shortly is absolutely false. I mean, John Watts is currently directing Spider-Man still, so it just doesn't make any sense. For some reason right now, I can't fully picture her in the role, but I, I feel like she's still a good choice either way. So. Yeah, no doubt she could definitely pull off the role. I just have a hard time now seeing anyone but Emily Blunt. You know, uh -huh. being Sue at this point, just because that rumor's been going on for like the past year. So, but I mean, she's an Oscar winning actress, so she can handle it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but it sounds like it's all bullshit right now. We got a Blue Beetle film coming from director Angel Manuel Soto uh, featuring Jamie Rays. Uh, the Wrap is reporting that the film will be written by Scarface remake writer Garth Duncan Elkery. There's a Scarface remake happening? <laughs> anyway, uh, and directed by Charm City King's Angel Manuel Soto. Uh, the rap also mentions that the film will mark the first major outing for a live-action Latino superhero. The Jamie Ray's version of the character uh, debuted in uh, 2006 as part of the Infinity Crisis storyline. I think I have his first appearance somewhere, actually. Um, he took over the role left vacant by Ted Kord um, after his death. Uh, I enjoy the character. I know uh, he showed up in the Teen Titans books for a while, and he was also part of the Young Justice animated series, um, I believe one of the seasons at least. Uh, and uh, you know what? For a period of time, he was a big part of Batman. Man Brave and the Bold, which is a ridiculous yet fun cartoon series you should definitely check out. I mean, I like it at least. The, wait, so wait, wait, wait. There, there is a remake for for Scarface, or are I, we just? I have no idea, man. <laughs> I gotta so Google it. Have to look that up. I know. <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard shit about that. So, and, and I don't know why anyone would try to tackle that. But, exactly. You know, good luck I'm playing the video game right now on my Twitch channel. Don't fuck with uh, perfection, goddammit. Exactly. 
All right, also director Edgar Wright taking on a re-adaptation of Stephen King's Running Man. So Deadline is reporting that Edgar Wright's next movie will be an adaptation of King's The Running Man. Uh, Deadline notes that Wright's version is being written by Michael Bacall and is a new adaptation that will stick closer to King's source material rather than the remake of the 87 movie. Uh, in King's 1982 novel, uh, the story follows Ben Richards as he participates in a game show The Running Man, in which contestants are allowed to go anywhere in the world uh, as they are chased by hunters who are employed to kill them. Uh, I've never read the novel, but it amazes me that this was never remade uh, since, you know, we live in this reality TV culture right now. Uh, Running Man was way ahead of its time, and I can't wait to see what Wright does with the concept. You know, I, I do enjoy Edgar Wright, so I'm excited to see what he would do with this type of film. I, I already, as you said, can picture the reality TV show Gone Awry type of feel with it already. Um, you know, that's what I expect. Yeah, it feels uh, like we're like one step away from that. Like concepts exactly. being real, <laughs> sadly enough. All right, up next, Mission Impossible 7 and A Quiet Place 2 to debut on Paramount Plus after 45 days in theaters. Uh, the announcement was made during Viacom CBS's uh, Investor Day on Wednesday. Uh, the presentation was orchestrated to hype up Paramount Plus, which launches on March 4th. Uh, the platform is a rebrand and expansion of CBS All Access. There was no news on what other titles will be following suit with this new model, but this is definitely a response to the ongoing pandemic. Pandemic. Uh, the streaming service will also receive a huge boost with some exclusive horror content. Uh, not only will the new Paranormal Activity movie be debuting there, but also a new installment of the Pet Cemetery franchise. Uh, Deadline is reporting that an origin story is in the works by Jeff Buller, who uh, did the adaptation of the 2019 film, which I don't know if that's necessarily good news since I wasn't a big fan of that film. Um, but hey, who knows, right? All I'm hearing is this is just another service I'm going to have to you know, subscribe to at this point. Yeah, right. <laughs> Luckily, I already have CBS All Access. I didn't even know if this was fucking happening, though. Exactly. So that's how in the dark I am. I'm still a little annoyed over WWE Network changing to Peacock at the moment. See, I've got both of those, so it ends up uh -huh. working out in my favor, but I, I understand. It's just getting ridiculous. Yeah, I'm wondering how much longer until I can just say no more cable and I just have five different services. <laughs> That's what I have right now. I mean, I'm, I'm counting Hulu in that. Uh -huh. You know, I've got the whatever premium package with Hulu, but then I just have tons of streaming services. But it's impossible to remember what's on what at this point. So. Exactly. <laughs> Breaking news alert. Breaking news alert. Well, this just in. Only a couple hours before we put out this episode, we got wind from comicbook.com that a Superman movie reboot is coming from Ta Nasi Coates and J.J. Abrams. Comicbook.com reports, This will be the first solo Superman film since 2013's Man of Steel. Comic book writer Coates will be writing the script with Abrams producing. No word on if Henry Cavill will be reprising his role as Superman, but it seems that Coates is known for his writings documenting the African-American experience. Uh, could this be a sign that the rumors of a Michael B. Jordan-led Superman are true? Only time will tell, and I'm guessing Snyder's Justice League could have a big influence on the return of Cavill in the future anyway. Now back onto the show. All right, so we had a brand new trailer come out. That's right. Finally, a trailer for Zack Snyder's upcoming Army of the Dead.
heavy, brother. But I dig it. So I definitely like the concept of this. Um, you know, it's a heist movie in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun action. Um, honestly, the trailer looks like a bigger, louder version of what he did with, you know, Dawn of the Dead 2004, his remake of, you know, George Romero's classic, mm -hmm. which I actually enjoy quite a bit. Um, I, I've heard that he's going to be doing all practical effects when it comes to the zombies. I hope that's true um, because those crowd shots looked very CGI'd, um, you know, and I'm not a huge fan of the way he uses CGI all the time. But I don't know. I think it looks promising. I mean, I think it was the thing that threw me off the most was the the Elvis z zombie shot because that didn't look like a zombie. It looked like someone just threw on fake blood onto someone's face and just said, hey, there you go. You're done. It definitely feels like they're going for something a little more comedic or campy, at least from this trailer. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the trailer is just giving us the wrong, you know, idea when it comes to the film. I was hoping for something a little more serious, but. I don't know. It's just a quick, you know, teaser trailer, honestly. No, I hear you. I, I definitely got kind of these weird Suicide Squad vibes from it, where it had that similar type of like colored tone and like, you know, the way the trailer was cut reminded me a lot of that kind of first Suicide Squad trailer. So I'm, I, I don't know. That's just Which the vibe was I'm getting from it. Which he was a producer on. So I yes. mean, I get it. <laughs> I love seeing Batista get work. Yeah, he's absolutely. all over the fucking place. He's going to be in the upcoming Dune movie. So, um, you know, good for him. Uh, but I, I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I'm sure we'll get a bigger trailer at some point. Uh, this film comes out May 21st, and it's going to be on Netflix. All right, damn it. It's that time again. It's time for some WandaVision talk. Spoiler alert. Spoilers for WandaVision ahead. You have been warned. Zizi, that's where you and Hayward differ. He's going to burn Westview to the ground just to get what he wants. Don't let him make you the villain. Maybe I already am. All right, so we go ahead, we open this week's episode. They're lampooning, like, you know, modern-day TV shows with that, like, documentary style um, that we've seen with, like, Parks and Recs and uh, The Office and, you know, Modern Family. Um, and they're doing a fantastic job with it. Um, from the opening sequence, the title sequence that's, you know, straight-up Office to, you know, her interview where she is just, like, literally channeling the mother from Modern Family. Like yes. all her mannerisms, her speech patterns, it's just straight from that show. It's a, it's a really amazing performance, honestly. So, uh, but yeah, no, uh, all the while this is going on, um, you know, Wanda's woken up. She wants a day to herself. She gets Agnes to like babysit the kids, but like her powers are just like on the fritz. Everything is changing, you know, from, you know, different eras from like, you know, the TV set is going from a tube TV to a flat screen TV. You know, the stove is changing like, you know, every second walls are disappearing and reappearing. You know, it's a pretty crazy scene. And it's yes. obvious that either Wanda's powers are like stretched too thin or she's just exhausted and having a breakdown. Yeah, we see the return of like the stork during this episode. Um, just randomly flashing in um we got the milk changing it's very like i loved how the effects were handled in this as well like everything about the effects throughout this show have been you know awesome you know it's something i like why can't movies look this good sometimes well i mean and they they probably have the mcu uh, budget behind them exactly so that's disney money man <laughs> 
So, but yeah, no, uh, Vision ends up waking up to find, like, sword agents have, like, you know, infiltrated the boundary and now are, you know, members of the fucking circus. He ends up running into Darcy, uh, who's chained to a truck at this point. I guess she's supposed yes. to be, like, an escape artist. Uh, he ends up taking her out of her trance. Uh, she ends up, you know, giving him a huge exposition dump, explaining basically everything that's happened to, you know, him uh, before, you know, this pocket reality and, you know, basically everything that's happening outside of Westview right now. They go on a mission to confront Wanda. On the way to do so, though, like comically, you know, Wanda, it seems like, is throwing every obstacle possible, like, in their way, you know, or maybe someone else. Yeah, it depends on who's writing the script, right? We'll, we'll talk about that later. That's right. But uh, I, I did love, like, the random little events happening in front of them. Um, I'm glad that they actually do um, answer one of the big things that came to my mind immediately when this happened is, why isn't, you know, Vision just flying away? Uh-huh. Uh, that, that comes up in a little bit. But I love that, you know, they kept up with the interviews and stuff like that. And eventually he realizes, why am I why am I doing this? <laughs> so outside of Westview, uh, Monica and Jimmy end up meeting up with her connection, which to everyone's disappointment was not Reed Richards. It was just some sword personnel who's loyal to her and probably her mother. Um, you know, this at no point does she ever really say that this is supposed to be the aerospace engineer. You know, like I went back and watched the other episode. Uh-huh. She just says her connection. She has a connection. She doesn't say it's this like the aerospace engineer and the connection are one and the same. So I think people kind of made that leap or maybe I'm making that leap and still holding out <laughs> hope. <laughs> I guess we'll see. Um, but yes, they end up giving her this vehicle that supposedly is able to cross the barrier. Monica suits up being the hero that she is and volunteers to you know take the vehicle through. So no matter how hard she tries to get through the barrier, it's just not going through. The barrier's rejecting it. It actually, at one point, almost starts driving up the barrier. Um, uh-huh. Eventually, Monica's forced to, you know, abandon ship. Um, you know, before the uh, before the hex consumes her, uh, the vehicle ends up, you know, getting shot out of the barrier and being like half of a pickup truck. You know, going through like you know a partial transformation. Uh, you know. Monica takes off her suit and she just basically says, fuck it. <laughs> it just decides to do it herself. Um, you know, she gets her big fucking superhero moment, though. We watch her through sheer willpower force her way through the barrier. We're watching basically like, I don't know, it reminded me very much of like Carol's moment in Captain Marvel. Um, you know, we see like different versions of her flash mm-hmm. before our eyes you know, a young version of her or, you know, different, you know, like the time like displaced version of her. And she's just hearing different voices from her past. You know, um, she finally makes it through the barrier, has her superhero landing and everything. And her <laughs> eyes start fucking glowing blue. And we know that now, you know, we've just witnessed the birth of a hero. Yes. Um, I love that moment. Um, well, I do have a complaint before that. Like, did, did they have any proof how that that truck would be able to get through? Like, I have no idea, man. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, oh, it's the toughest fucking truck we got. Of course, it's going to make it through. It's, no, what? I'm guessing they must have, like, I don't know, dealt with some kind of interdimensional, like, bullshit beforehand. Um, before I they sure just, hope you know, so. used Monica as a guinea pig. <laughs> but she felt like it was a sure thing, so. I mean, I guess. But yes, I did love actually getting to see her 
blue eyes glowing and all. I'm hoping she goes with the name Spectrum, but I can totally see her, you know, taking on Photon as yes. her mom's name was shown at the beginning. I'm guessing that's probably what she's going to do. Uh-huh. It only makes sense. You like Spectrum more? Yeah, I mean, it, I feel like it goes along with her power set a little bit better than just Photon. Uh, you know, I, you know, she's actually seeing the like electrical spectrum, you know, happening as she comes through mm, the barrier. That's I mean, a good that's point. Just... That's a good point. <laughs> I mean, she's changed names so many times uh-huh. in the comics, so I could see it going either way. I think she's probably gonna go with the name Photon to like honor her mother's memory, but maybe at some point she decides to like, you know, it's time for a new chapter and changes her name. Um, you know, I love the fact though that she's kind of. It feels like she's dealing with her grief by dealing with this situation because she's obviously feels a kinship with Wanda and what she's gone through and what she's recently, you know, dealt with. So I do like that aspect. And I didn't expect to get like this origin story, like, you know, the superhero origin story, you know, in this series, you know, I really thought they would save this for, you know, Captain Marvel two. So, but I love that they, you know, went ahead and like, no, these shows matter. We're going to give you important moments like this, you know, in our series. You know, these series matter just as much as the movies. Exactly. It only makes me more excited for the next series coming up, especially with, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier and um, Loki, which is going to be all over the place with time and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. I can only imagine the amount of things that could be like built off of just that now, especially if this isn't just going to be, you know, hey, this is a one off and we're moving on, you know, this actually matters. That's right. So around this time, I believe we get the commercial for the Nexus uh, antidepressant drug. Uh, this feels like a direct like reference to the idea of the Nexus in the Marvel comics, which is like the gateway to the multiverse. And um, there's actually characters in the Marvel universe or the Marvel comics that are Nexus beings that are like the anchor to the to these like alternate realities and Wanda happens to be one of them. So it feels like they're, you know, alluding to that. We even see at one point uh, Wanda popping one of the Nexus pills. So while all this is going down, Agnes has the twins. Uh, She's babysitting them for Wanda. There's a point where Billy is talking about the voices in his head, um, you know, referring to, you know, his powers kind of manifesting. But he mentions that Agnes is actually quiet and he just kind of stares at her. So it seems like Billy is on to her at this point. Um, So we cut to Monica confronting Wanda at the house. Uh, Monica's pleading with her, you know, let me help you. Um, You know, Wanda ends up trying to like use her like voodoo on her, but Monica's actually, you know, powers up a little to Wanda's surprise. Um, She, you know, tells her that, you know, that sword is up to no good and that they're going to make you the villain. And Wanda snaps back. What if I am the villain? Um, You know, that's when Agnes, you know, intervenes, comes out and, you know, takes Wanda away um, back to her house. While back at Agnes's house, Wanda realizes the boys aren't there. She sneaks down to the basement where she finds herself all of a sudden in the middle of this weird, like, I don't know, sorcerer's lair, um, you know, filled with a bunch of like, it looks like black magic artifacts. Um, You know, she's confronted by Agnes who reveals herself as Agatha Harkness. um, And we get the song montage that is, you know, taking over the nation right now. Yes. Agatha all along. 
Hell yeah, it's a banger, Damon. It's a banger. <laughs> during the musical number, we see that Agatha is responsible for basically all the hijinks that's been taking place during the series. You know, pulling the strings of both Wanda and Vision. Uh, we find out that she was faking the trance, which we kind of suspected last episode. Uh, we find out that she sent the rabbits um, during the uh, magic episode. She possibly sent Pietro, you know, to the house. Um, and she fucking killed Sparky, too. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really awesome sequence, though. Yes. Um, and a catchy song. It's a nice spoof off the old uh, Munsters theme. Yes. The show actually ends there, but we end up getting a mid credit scene, finally. Uh, we see Monica uh, coming to Agatha's house and starting to sneak down in the basement when all of a sudden Quicksilver shows up. Uh, and we see her eyes glow purple. So it feels like Quicksilver might be working with Agatha. And we also know Vision's on his way. Uh, he's flying there currently. So, I mean, we're definitely in the end game right now with this show. Yes, no pun intended. So Agnes being Agatha is probably the worst kept secret of the show. I mean, from mm. the get-go when they casted, you know, the character, everyone right away, you know, pointed out that she's probably Agatha. Um, and I don't know, right away, you know, to me, it says that Agatha is not necessary. Even though she's claiming to be the villain of the show, it says to me that Agatha isn't actually the villain. Um, because in the comics, Agatha is, you know, she's a mentor to Wanda. Uh, she's the fucking nanny of the Fantastic Four. So I, I feel like she's probably being used. And that brings us to what I think is actually the biggest reveal of the episode is while they're down in her lair, we see a giant book sitting there on a pedestal that looks exactly like the Darkhold. Now, if this is the Darkhold, that means there's definitely a bigger villain at work here. And that's Cthone. Now, the Darkhold has been kind of teased in the Doctor Strange movie, I guess, which I totally forgot about. Um, and it's actually been in like MCU adjacent shows like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and I guess Runaways, but I don't watch Runaways. Um, the Darkhold basically holds all the black magic of Cthone, who's this elder god. Um, he uses it as kind of a bridge into our dimension. Uh, he basically ends up overpowering everyone who's trying to use the book. Um, and Wanda in the comics is actually a character that he can use as a vessel. Um, she's the perfect vessel for him to take over. Um, the last time we saw this storyline take place was actually during Secret Empire. And he has full possession of her. And she's kind of leading the Hydra version of the Avengers at that time. So it feels like Cthone could not only be the big bad, you know, in the series, and they might not even completely reveal that here, but he could end up being the big bad of like, you know, the Doctor Strange movie to come because he is definitely someone that, you know, Strange would be facing off against. Like you would yes. need a character as powerful as Strange to stop Cthone. Fucking Vision and Monica aren't going to cut it. So part of me is kind of hoping that they streamline things here. And that, you know, it's not necessarily Cthone that they end up using the Mephisto character in place of Cthone, um, you know, and make Mephisto this elder god whose, you know, magic is in the dark hold, who uses it as a portal, you know, to our reality. Mm -hmm. um, I just feel like Mephisto is the more interesting character. I mean, and Mephisto still might be part of this story. 
I mean, along with Cthulhu, we know that in the books, he has a big hand in what's going on with the birth of those kids. So I guess only time will see. Um, yeah, there um, there was that big, well, not big, little Easter egg of a fly on the wall inside um, Agnes's house that a lot of people were pointing to as a sign from Mephisto as well. Okay. <laughs> Why? Because it, because there's a comic where he just shows up as a fly. Oh, a, okay. Wow, that's, yes. a, that's a definite deep cut. <laughs> um, could be, maybe. Um and the cut camera specifically cut to and followed the fly for a moment before cutting Well, away. and then there's also the rabbit that she's holding, Mr. Yes. Scratch, who in the comics is her son. I really hope mm-hmm. they don't go that route because <laughs> I think at that point you're just, you know, in muddy waters and you've got a lot of explaining to do. Uh-huh. So there's a lot of backstory with that that I'm not even going to bother getting into because I feel like they're not going to go that route. I mean, maybe... You know, this version of uh, Pietro is Mr. Scratch. I've heard people kind of thinking that. I've heard Mm. people saying Mephisto. I'm still hoping that this is, you know, the X-Men's version of Quicksilver that they're using as like a puppet to do their bidding. Um, Like they pull them out of another dimension. That's what I'm hoping for. There's a lot of people who are letting their expectations just run wild at this point where they, you know, think that all of a sudden during like this, you know, series finale, the fucking Blackbird is going to land in the middle of Westview and all the X-Men are going to come piling up. Uh You know, it's like pump the brakes. Okay, (laughs) we'll get there, but, you know, probably not yet. Um, so I, I just feel like people need to kind of like, I don't know, harness their expectations and, you know, kind of tone it down a little. I think this this series is setting up possibly the big bad for phase four. If it is Cthone, I mean, I feel like that makes sense on multiple levels. If you're trying to set him up as a smaller big bad for an Avengers level film at a certain point, because, I mean, it works into the Eternals. It works into Doctor Strange. No, you're correct. I mean, Cthone definitely works with the Eternals, you know, storyline. You know, he was around during the Celestial time. Um, You know, he's an elder god who can, you know, possess Scarlet Witch, Wanda. Um, We know Wanda's going to be in the next Doctor Strange film. And, you know, there's been rumors that she might actually be the villain. So maybe we're going to get a Cthone possessed, you know, Wanda, you know, facing off against Strange. Uh, we also know Strange is popping up in the next Spider-Man film also. Yes, which also seems to be dealing with the multiverse. Yes. So, I mean, feels like all the puzzle pieces are starting to fit now. Um, we'll see. And maybe we're completely wrong. <laughs> and your X-Men theories don't fully fit in just yet. There's a damn it. There is a guy out there that is convinced that Billy is going to be um, fucking Xavier. What? There is a guy. I see videos almost every single week about how Billy is going oh, to be Xavier. This is their telepath. introduction. Yes. Powers. Uh, I was like, no. Does he not read <laughs> the comics? The I don't know. I don't know, man. I mean, how much? So you would have a young Xavier? Like yeah. a 10 year old So you start with a young Xavier, and then you're just starting to build up the mutants that At way. At that point, you're just throwing shit against the wall and hoping it uh-huh. sticks. <laughs> Who's got another 20 years to fucking, you know, wait for the X Men? Well, apparently, Disney. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy, this random yes. guy on the internet. <laughs> I definitely feel like we're, go- we're on our way to getting the X Men eventually, mm. but 
I still don't think it's going to be happening anytime soon. I feel like we're definitely a few years away, you know, um, but they're planting seeds. They're definitely planting seeds. So uh, do we feel like we're going to get another surprise cameo besides Doctor Strange? Do we feel, because I feel like Doctor Strange has to be a shoe in now. If you're dealing with the Darkhold. And we're still just uh, assuming this is the Darkhold. Like, <laughs> everything I could just say might not <laughs> even completely matter. Like, that, if that's not the Darkhold, then forget everything I just said. So, exactly. it was Agatha uh, all along. But I feel like she probably was dealing with the Darkhold, and it probably took her over. And I'm guessing that Cathone is, like, pulling her strings. I feel like eventually Agatha will be revealed to be more like a Loki you know, character, an in-betweener if we're going to use wrestling terms, mm. where she's got her sinister ways, but she's actually kind of just misunderstood, um, you know, and a hero at heart. But anyway, with the Darkhold involved, Doctor Strange is definitely fucking showing up, I feel like. So, um, but are we going to get another surprise? You know, I mean, with the whole line lingering of, you know, the aerospace engineer that Monica knows... You know, was that more than a subtle nod to Reed Richards or some other character? I've heard also people talk about Blue Marvel, which is a strong possibility. He's got a big, long history with her. I mean, I believe they're even part of Alpha Flight together. So, um, but, you know, could we be getting another hero? Or is that just too I much? Is this like X-Men conspiracy, like theory territory? <laughs> I mean... It's very possible that we'd be seeing this aerospace engineer at this point. Like, I feel like they wouldn't have teased it otherwise. But a part of me still says, you know, fuck it. Let's just throw in Ghost Rider or some shit like that. <laughs> you know, let's have some fun here. Let's get crazy. Like, that's her aerospace engineer? <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> Christian just became a 12-year-old boy before her very eyes. <laughs> We're supposed to eventually get Ghost Rider, though. Yes, they weren't allowing Hulu to fuck with Ghost Rider mm. because uh, Foggy put a stop to it because he wants to play with the character. Yes, and I'm assuming he's going to show up in Multiverse of Madness. Maybe. I don't know, man. That seems like a bit much. <laughs> I feel like everyone's <laughs> just expecting everyone to show up in Multiverse of Madness at this point. Why not? Um, <laughs> I feel like maybe in a Blade film, you could see Ghost Rider arrive. True. Now we're just speculating about projects that are like three years out, though. So, but anyway, I guess we're going to find out sooner than later, you know, what's next, you know, what's the next chapter of WandaVision. Um, you know, we're always an episode behind because of our recording schedule. Uh -huh. so, <laughs> <laughs> we're literally going to stop recording and go watch the next episode. So, <laughs> Well, first, we have a couple other things to talk about. Like, Damon, you saw a movie this week. That's right. I saw the horror film Willy's Wonderland. Spoiler alert. Spoilers for Willy's Wonderland ahead. You have been warned. And now, our feature presentation. This place has a dark history. I know the bullshit story they told you. It's a lie. You're here to be a human sacrifice. <laughs> have you been listening to a word I've been saying? He's gonna die in here, but he won't listen to me. Day, 
When his car breaks down, a quiet loner agrees to clean an abandoned family fun center in exchange for repairs. He soon finds himself waging war against possessed animatronic mascots while trapped inside Willy's Wonderland. This was directed by Kevin Lewis and stars Nicolas Cage. So Nicolas Cage is at the point of his career where he does what he wants, when he wants. And for the most part, it's been a hell of a ride. I mean, we've gotten to see him in different films like Color Out of Space, Mandy, and even Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, these aren't typical choices for an Oscar-winning actor, but because of his willingness to take his career outside of the Hollywood box, um, he's gained quite a cult status. So when I found out about his upcoming film, Willy's Wonderland, I was just over the moon with excitement, and the trailer definitely helped fan those flames. I mean, Nick Cage trapped inside of a Chuck E. Cheese fighting against demonic animatronics. I mean, it's Five Nights at Freddy's meets Evil Dead. If there was ever a scenario that warranted, you know, a scenery-chewing Nick Cage performance, this was definitely it. But instead, for some unknown reason, they decided to subvert those expectations and give us something far more subdued with Cage. And unfortunately, I think because of this choice, the film just doesn't live up to the surefire premise. So Nick Cage is a character who's given no name. He's a loner passing through a small town when his car breaks down. Since he's unable to pay for the repairs, he ends up brokering a deal to spend the night cleaning Willy's Wonderland, an abandoned family fun center to pay for the job. Uh, he soon discovers that the town and Wonderland has a dark secret that sees him fighting for his life against these possessed animatronics to survive just to get through the night. Uh, there's a weird subplot also going on here with this woman named Liv who survived Willie's as a young child and is raised by the town's sheriff. Uh, she is now on a mission with a group of her friends to burn Willie's to the ground because she knows how evil it is. Uh, so while the setup just checks all the right boxes for just a gonzo good time. One of my biggest problems I end up having with Willie's is like front and center with the choice of having Cage's character be mysteriously silent. I mean, there's no explanation given for this. While there's other ways, you know, he can channel his manic energy through like just raw physicality, he also at the same time is like playing the role very stoically and almost like as robotic as the animatronics at times. This just renders the film completely toothless. The choice of keeping his character nonverbal is an interesting one, don't get me wrong, but it's just not an entertaining one, and much can be said for the action in the film. Um, you know, Cage is a complete badass as always, but the problem I had was the film never put him in any real danger. Uh, he treats killing these demonic nightmares as like part of like, you know, chores on his to-do list uh, for that night. He gets right back to work after he destroys them one by one. Uh, he's there to get a job done and get his fucking car back and that's it. Everything else is inconsequential. I mean, don't get me wrong, like some of the fight scenes have their moments, but after a while they feel really mundane 
and routine. They don't put much like creativity into it. Um, Liv and her um, adoptive mom handle like all the heavy lifting story-wise, and I did like the origin story they gave for Willie's. I mean, yes, it might feel a little derivative of like Child's Play and other films, but I kind of wanted to see that more like, you know, that story play out more than the story that we got on the screen. Um, and Liv and her group of friends are just used merely as cannon fodder, which is fine, but they're so quickly disposed of in just uninteresting fashion that it feels like a complete waste. Liv ends up really only like as a vehicle for exposition and her and her mom get like no real closure. So it just feels pointless. I don't know. Um, the film becomes kind of a one trick pony and dare I say boring at points. Um, you know, you have Cage just quickly knocking off these mechanical monsters just in between mopping the floor. And I just truly believe, like, sprinkling that Nicolas Cage magic dust on this film and just unleashing him could have salvaged this film. But instead, Willy's Wonderland is just uninspired and forgettable. And a film with a satanic Chuck E. Cheese should never be fucking forgettable. Especially with Nick Cage in it. Alright, Damon, what grade would you give this? So I'm going to give the film a C, and it earned it solely based on a couple of fun scenes that are unfortunately too far and few between. Um, there's this whole pinball dance montage that Cage does that's pretty fucking fantastic, but it had me wishing for more moments like that instead of everything else that we got. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again. It's time for Christian's Corner. Boy, has this last week in gaming been a busy one. Nintendo showed off some new footage for Pokemon Snap, we got another look at development of AEW's upcoming wrestling game, and there was a PlayStation State of Play, among many other trailers being dropped. 2021 looks to be amping up in the gaming world after last week's Nintendo Direct. This Saturday the 27th marks the 25th anniversary of one of their biggest game franchises ever in Pokemon. During their presentation for the 25th anniversary, they showed off a couple games, first being the new Pokemon Snap for Nintendo Switch. Players will enjoy going to the new Lentil region, helping assist Professor Mirror in taking photos of Pokemon in their natural habitats. As a game on rails, pretty much the game, in my opinion, focused on making it as graphically impressive as it could be on Switch. New photo sharing and editing modes added make this for a cute entry into the Pokemon franchise. Pokemon Snap comes out April 30th. The second big piece of news from this event was the remakes of Diamond and Pearl. Their titles being changed to Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. This is a total remake of both games with updated graphics and textures for the Switch. This is currently slated for late 2021, most likely holiday season. And I know quite a few Pokemon fans excited for its return. Not gonna lie, I was always more of a Digimon and Yu-Gi-Oh kid anyway. The other event that came from this past week was a new state of play for PlayStation. Similar to Nintendo Direct, there wasn't much for them to show off, but we got some confirmations on PS5 updates for games like Final Fantasy VII and more. Um, the biggest standouts for me were the newer games in Returnal, Sifu, and Deathloop. 
um, while Deathloop didn't show off much more um, new mechanics, we got what seemed like a better look at what it will be like being hunted while we're taking out targets in the game. Um, the cool James Bond-like trailer continues to catch my eye every single time and currently is my most hyped for game of this year. And I can't wait to die and die again on stream for you all. Uh, Deathloop comes out May 21st. Returnal has a similar type of mechanic, but instead of being able to memorize and strategize, um, you know, the game constantly is evolving and changing its layout as every time you die, enemies and paths change. Um, this would probably frustrate the hell out of me, but I think the concept is pretty cool and I'm looking forward to more info on this game as we go along. But we should be seeing a lot more of this game as it comes out April 30th of this year. And lastly, I was super into the new Kung Fu game, Sifu. Um, it gave me this kind of like strong Daredevil vibe uh, with its hallway and club fight scenes. And, you know, looks like the right kind of martial arts experience I'm looking for in a game. You know, something, you know, if I could compare it to anything, it reminded me of the fluidity of the game um, Ghost of Tsushima with its sword fights. Uh, you know, it just definitely looked like they focused so much on the mechanic of the actual fighting going on. And honestly, I feel like a solid martial arts experience is definitely missing from my games library. And this stood out a lot to me. Um, Sifu is slated for later this year. All in all, it looks like 2021 will be another great year in gaming, and I'd like to invite you all to experience it with me on the Amazing Nerd Show's Twitch channel. Uh, we go live Thursday through Sunday at 12 noon each day with great new games and old games and everything in between. This weekend, we continued our playthrough of The Witcher on Saturday and Scott Pilgrim on Sunday. Uh, next Thursday, I pick up uh, True Crime Streets of LA again on the GameCube um, as we continue to reach and get closer to the good cop ending of that game and you know i continue to sell drugs and scarface for ps2 <laughs> um also i'm working on getting some retro games set up to play with friends as well so you know stay tuned for all the different things that'll be coming to the amazing nerd show um and you can stay tuned and find out about all this stuff if you're following me on twitter that's at amazing nerd live that's separate from the main twitter which is at amazing nerd show so make sure that you follow us on there as well if you want to see um like you know, instant updates of what's going on with the stream. Otherwise, just follow us on Twitch. All right, let's move on to wrestling. Glorified brutality by Roman Reigns. Oh my God! The ultimate opportunist strikes again. Edge watched Roman Reigns in the Universal Title. All right, Christian, so we're on the road to WrestleMania this past weekend. We had WWE's Elimination Chamber. Uh, what was your overall thoughts? You know, I didn't hate the pay-per-view. I just I got pretty bored throughout it for the most <laughs> part. Uh, I mean, that was just me. I did enjoy the final one, the final chamber. Okay. Uh, but yeah, th those first few matches just didn't do too much for me in general. I, I think it was just because it was too predictable what was going to happen for that first chamber. Like I kind of knew exactly how they were going to play this out. So it just didn't. See now, I'm watching the shows and I actually uh -huh. didn't predict what was going to happen. And that's my biggest mm. criticism is like it felt like they just forgot their storylines during this show. I didn't mind the action. It just felt like they didn't pay off many of like those like story threads, um, you know, yeah, sure. which just feels like a missed opportunity. 
which just goes back to their issues with continuity. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I actually enjoyed the action for the most part. I thought everyone worked really hard and, you know, you know, did you know what they could to make it a good show. Um, you know, it's just the writers, you know, let them down. Here and there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so we had a we, <laughs> so during the pre-show we had a fatal four-way uh, between John Morrison, Elias, Mustafa Ali, and Ricochet to see who would be part of the triple threat match for the U.S. title, um, replacing Keith Lee, who unfortunately was not able to participate. Uh, we don't know if he's sick or injured at this point. Um, there hasn't really been any news, you know, specifying. So um, I didn't see the match. Christian, did you see the match? No, I did not see it. They did show a little bit of highlights later on, which was kind of just like my monthly reminder that the, uh, what, what are they called? Mustafa Ali's group called again? Oh, the, Retribution. Uh, yeah, that Retribution exists. Yes. So. yes. Well, I don't think that's going to be for very long, though. So, But we'll talk no. about that later. <laughs> um, in this match, John Morrison ended up winning, so he is now part of that triple threat match. But anyway, the show ends up kicking off with the SmackDown Elimination Chamber. That's right, Damon. We started off with Daniel Bryan defeating Cesaro, Jay Uso, Kevin Owens, King Corbin, and Sami Zayn, the um, you know winner of this match, getting an immediate match with Roman Reigns. So I definitely feel like this match took a while to get going. It really wasn't until like all the participants were actually out of their chambers for it to really pick up. Um, I thought it was a good match overall. Um, and I liked some of the eliminations that they did. I love how Jey Uso took out Kevin Owens. Um, I feel like they're probably going to end up in a program together now since, you know, Roman Reigns is going to be moving on. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I mean, I love all the action we got from Daniel Bryan and Cesaro. Uh, you know, uh, Cesaro, though, I was really, really disappointed that he didn't win this match because it just felt like a good way to kind of elevate him and, you know, he has a reason to lose to Reigns here since he just went through the chamber and everything, but you kind of keep him on that like upward, like trajectory, um, you know, cause that's how the story has been going for him on SmackDown. So I was caught off guard when Daniel Bryan actually won here. So um, hopefully this doesn't mean that for some reason Cesaro's push is over. <laughs> um, cause I've been enjoying what they've been doing with him, but this is, you know, another example of, I feel like, the bookings kind of letting down the storylines that are been happening on the shows, you know, recently. I mean, exactly. If, I mean, if they're pushing um, Cesaro so much on the show, you would expect, you know, maybe something a little bit bigger for him. I mean, they did spotlight him here and there a little, but it just, I don't mm. know. I was just expecting so much more for him and it felt like he was going to keep on carrying momentum, you know, to WrestleMania. So it's unfortunate that there isn't like a crowd right now. Cause I feel yes. like you'd be seeing like them really getting behind him and, and the WWE would have no, you know, other you know choice, but to like give him like, you know, the push that he deserves. Finally, exactly. <laughs> I just hope it wasn't a case of we needed to we needed him to sign a new contract, so we gave him like a three week push. That's uh, my fear. It's very possible. I mean, we I think we've seen that before yes, as well. I, we have. I, um, but anyway, so yes, Daniel Bryan ends up winning the match. I mean, it's it's uh, between the ropes. It was a good match, though. I did enjoy the match. I I didn't feel like they utilized the the elimination chamber enough though i mean the the problem i had with this match for the most part was just like 
it, it had a lot of great wrestling with the with the people in it. But you know, Elimination Chamber is supposed to be this huge spectacle, and I didn't see a lot of like spectacle and spots happening in the actual match. You know, like you know, in years before, we've gotten like even bef- after they stopped, you know, doing the major like blood spots and stuff like that. We had at least people climbing all over the cage and doing crazy stunts mm-hmm. off of it. And really, these two chambers felt super dull on that amount. Yeah, there weren't really any giant, like, high spots with the cage. Um, Yeah. God, in this match, I can only really think of, like, uh, uh, I think Cesaro does, like, pull-ups, you know, off the roof of the cage. Yes, he does (laughs) pull-ups. In the middle of it. It's not like to land on anyone or anything. It's just to show off. I mean, I'll I'll prep this by saying, though, that I hate the Elimination Chamber. Uh (laughs) So, I don't know. It's it's never entertaining to me. You know, you could tell everything fucking hurts for the wrestlers. It feels like everyone's kind of hesitating. You know, there's a couple big spots here and there, but I don't know. It just never feels like, you know, a major match to me for some reason. So... Um, it always feels I, like I a get clusterfuck, off on that. I guess. Uh-huh. I get off on that weird shit where they're climbing all the way up to the, like, the top of the ring and then jumping off and doing an elbow drop or I some guess. shit like that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just wish they would stop doing fucking cage matches without, without blood. Like, it just... I've, yes. I've gone on this tirade... Mark, Jesus Christ. I've gone on this tirade many times, so I won't do it now, but... They just don't have a fucking cage match if you can't do fucking blood. It's just there's no point. I mean, my my last thing on it is just like it, it doesn't help that their competitors all are able to do this and are all able to like have these crazy wild cage matches that we can see on AEW or in any other, you know, Well, realm. we know that the participants can do it and we've seen it before out of them. So, yes. you know, it did feel a little muted. I mean, I agree 100 percent. Um Daniel Bryan, you know, ends up winning the match. Roman Reigns ends up coming out right away, which I was I was completely surprised by because I thought they would wait to the end of the night to do this match. But I guess Roman is the head of the table and he gets what he wants. So uh, we get a glimmer of hope quickly that, you know, Daniel Bryan catches him in the yes lock. But Roman soon reverses out or powers his way out and then chokes him out. So it just felt like. I don't know, a waste of the fucking chamber match because I don't see a program happening here between Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns because soon after, you know, he chokes Daniel Bryan out, fucking Edge comes out, spears him and declares, you know, he'll be facing him at, you know, WrestleMania in the main event. The ultimate opportunist. he points to the sign and everything. So it felt like we just used that chamber match and all those guys hard fucking work just to get to Uh. that fucking moment. <laughs> Pretty much. So, but whatever. Um, but yeah. So, okay. What do we got next? Uh, up next, we had Riddle defeating Bobby Lashley and John John Morrison for the United States Championship. So, I'm glad that they got the belt off Lashley while still protecting him because they're definitely building him up, and we'll talk about that later. Um, I liked the work between Morrison and Riddle, and Lashley was able to shine here too, you know, um, with the spot, you know, here and there, you know, just showing that he's a fucking monster. Um, I was super happy that on Raw we got a one-on-one match between Morrison and Riddle. Um, I'm hoping that we end up getting some kind of program, or they end up being a tag team, because it feels like they're, like, the perfect mit- like fit for each other. So, mm-hmm. um, But yeah, I- I'll be curious to see what they do with riddle you know now that he has the belt 
Like, is this going to be like a long-term thing with him? Or is it just kind of a one-off to WrestleMania? Well, who do you think Riddle's going to face now that it's not no longer Lashley? I don't know. I mean, maybe Keith Lee comes back. You know, maybe we get a program between those two. We know they work really well together. Um, mm-hmm. They've got great chemistry. Uh, and then maybe that leads to, you know, Keith Lee having a big moment at WrestleMania. I mean, yeah, that I, I'd actually be excited to see that. I that's mean, a that's a good call. I'm pulling that right out of my ass. So I have no idea. <laughs> I hate Riddle's character on the show. It's just been like the, the most cheesy fucking bullshit that you could imagine. Mm. Like he's just this like over the top stoner dude, but he's not entertaining at all. Like not like in the way that he was entertaining on NXT. You know, they need to get whoever was writing for him or just let him do his own thing because he's just obnoxious and you kind of cringe every time he talks on the show. So, but hopefully they let him just like be this legit fucking mixed martial artist that he is. Like for some reason, they never emphasize the fact that he was like a highly touted like UFC fighter. <laughs> like they don't even you, bother mentioning it, which is re- uh-huh. insane to me. <laughs> and you got to imagine that's what brought him to the yard, yes, right? Like- yes, that's what got him to the fucking dance. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but instead, they rather have him doing this like sophomoric fucking comedy, which is fine. Like you can mix the two, but there has to be a fucking balance because otherwise yeah. you could have anyone else doing this gimmick. Uh, up next, we had Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler defeating Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks for the Women's Tag Team Championship. So, Christian, I thought this match was horrible. And you thought it was horrible? I thought it was horrible, and I'm going to tell you why. Because I just cannot handle watching Nia Jax anymore in the ring. <laughs> And, it, you know, she hasn't hurt anyone in a while, at least I don't think. But mm-hmm. it just feels like she's given up. Like, she's just going through the motions barely. I mean, when was the last time you've seen Sasha Banks or Bianca Belair or fucking Shayna Baszler, like, have, like, a lackluster, like, match? Like, I feel like this is happening all the time when mm-hmm. someone's facing off against Nia Jax. It just, it drives me insane. Like, I've been watching Asuka and Charlotte, like, have these fucking god-awful matches against this tag team. And the only thing I can pinpoint is fucking Jax's lack of effort. You know, like, she just doesn't, it feels like she's going through the motions. (laughs) No, and it, it looks like it from the moment she walks out too like i i've noticed where it just feels like yeah i know I, no one likes me here so i'm i'm not gonna even bother putting in the effort. but like prove them wrong like that's mm-hmm. what i like I, I never felt like it was due to lack of effort from her but i feel like the last like year like slowly like her skills are like i don't know deteriorating and it doesn't make any fucking sense um and i don't know why that is you know and maybe she just doesn't care but like She's just going through the fucking motion. She barely, like, makes it through different fucking sequences and spots now. Mm-hmm. It's just really fucking half-ass. And it's so unfair to the other women in the match. Because Sasha Banks doesn't have bad matches. But this was a bad match. This was not good. I mean, I hate everything they're doing with uh, what the sommelier fucking Reginald. Like, it just feels like yes. such a waste of time. Mm-hmm. I don't know where it's leading. Part of me feels like... He's going to end up with Sasha, um, you know, that Sasha's going to end up turning heel and, you know, 
that you're going to have the heel versus baby face, you know, between her and Bianca Belair at WrestleMania. Um, Sasha really, honestly, has never been, you know, face during this run. I feel like it's just by happenstance that she's kind of in this like baby face role because she, you know, mm-hmm. faced off, you know, against Bailey and got betrayed by her. But like her promos and everything are a hundred percent fucking heel. Like everything she's doing okay. is very much heel like. So I, I don't know. I just don't. I, I feel like the transition from, you know, where she is now to heel will end up working fine. You know, and I think we'll end up making for a better match between her and Belair. So, but they need to get fucking I mean, Shayna as- Baszler away from Nia. Because think about <laughs> where Shayna was last year at this time compared to now. I know, but it doesn't help that she just knocked out Asuka's tooth. That happens. <laughs> it's wrestling. It's not ballet. <laughs> you know, I, I'm sure Asuka fucking laughed about it backstage. So, oh, yeah. I mean, but Sheena Baszler is one of their most talented wrestlers. Mm-hmm. She's she's unique. She's different. She should be in the main event picture, at least going after one of those titles. But ever since she's been, you know, teamed with Maya, it's like she's in a fucking black hole. And it's it's unfortunate. Um, I just I hope that um, Bianca and Sasha Banks doesn't turn into a triple threat. That's the only thing I worried about with um, Carmella and the um, Reginald guy was like, does does she somehow get involved down the road? I wouldn't be surprised they by turn that. into something, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like Carmella's had like two shots at this point. I mean, maybe that's something that happens. You know, maybe we get another Carmella Sasha Banks match at Fastlane. Is it Fastlane next? Yeah, Fastlane. Yeah, next. maybe that's kind of like the buffer feud till Mania. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like Banks might end up turn turning heel on. You know, oh Bianca. yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, and I was surprised it didn't happen here, honestly. Though I would like to see them as a tag team in the future. I think they're yeah they they make a great team. Yeah, why not? <laughs> but I also feel like Sasha, like in the tag team division, she doesn't need to be there. Like I feel like she's fine, you know, feuding for the title. And you've got so uh-huh. many other women that are like in this tag team division, but never gets a fucking chance. Sure. So I mean, because Sasha's been hovering around those tag team titles, you know, since they started, really, even with her like five month like break. Well, up next, we had our final Elimination Chamber match with Drew McIntyre defeating all his foes to hold on to his title. That was AJ Styles, Jeff Hardy, Kofi Kingston, Randy Orton, and Sheamus. Okay, so back to the storylines not playing out. Uh, Over the past month, Mustafa Ali has been talking about how Kofi Kingston took his place in the Elimination Chamber, right? So this has been happening on the show. Hmm. You would think maybe Retribution would be coming out and taking out Kofi Kingston sometime during the show. To the point, I feel like Kofi, even walking down the ramp, was like looking over his fucking shoulder. <laughs> but nothing happened. Nothing huh. happened. I was like, what is going on? I was like, I'm, I was sure. Like once Kofi was named like Mrs. Replacement for this match, that I was like, oh, Mustafa Ali is actually going to be in this match. He's going to. That would have been a. That would have been a great moment. Like, that feels like his whole, like, M.O. for, like, starting the group, Uh you know, and having a chip on his shoulder. So the fact that that didn't play out was like, what? What is going on here? And then you have Randy Orton just get defeated out of nowhere. You know, I love the fact that Kofi did it, 
But it was like, okay, well, they're definitely going to have, like, some fucking, you know, voodoo bullshit happen during this match by, with, like, Bray Wyatt or something to distract, uh, you know, Orton that's going to get him eliminated, you know, to, like, you know, further that feud. Nope, he just randomly gets eliminated. <laughs> like, it's like, what's what's going on? Um, so, oh, here's the biggest thing. AJ. AJ won a gauntlet match on Raw, right? To be the last okay. person to enter the fucking elimination chamber. But after Orton gets fucking pinned, he goes on a tirade and hits a bunch of RKOs on everyone in the fucking ring. AJ gets so fucking excited, he has his uh, his big guy. What's this guy's name? I can't remember his name. Um, almost. Almost, yeah. yes. He has almost break the fucking elimination chamber like yes. the glass, and then he enters himself into the ring, somehow legally, I don't know why this is legal, <laughs> and tries to pin everyone. So he entered the match early. Yes. After winning, going through a whole fucking gauntlet to get the... Like, <laughs> it made no fucking sense. <laughs> it just made no sense. Um, You also have fucking Seamus. Like, I, I thought Seamus was going to fucking shine here. You know, uh, I thought we'd get, like, a big moment for him. I didn't feel like that played out at all. He didn't look bad in the match. No, but he's the one who started that, like, it was supposed to originally be Sheamus versus Drew. He turned mm. on Drew. And I felt like he never really got that moment between them. Because this was, like, you know, he was disappointed that they made this elimination chamber match instead of a one-on-one between the two. So I thought they are going to have a moment where Sheamus almost beats him, you know, um, to carry this on, probably to Fastlane. But... That wasn't in the cards, apparently. Like, he didn't look weak at all, but I don't know. I just didn't understand, like, where they're headed with any of these storylines. And Hardy's just in there to be in there at this point. Yeah. Everyone in this match is over 40 years old, by the way. I think, I think besides Drew, Drew's 35, but, like, they don't bother, like, giving any of the young guys a shot. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you could have used this to build some of the younger talent, you know, and let them shine a little. But instead, I mean, we're seeing the same people we've been seeing for the last fucking 10 years, it feels like. So, exactly. I don't know. I didn't like the booking at all of the match. The match itself was fine. You know, the match, the actual wrestling in the match was fine. You know, I agree that they weren't utilizing the chamber enough here, but like the actual ring work was okay. Um, but I mean, what were your thoughts on the match, Christian? I mean, like you said, I, they they had great in-ring chemistry with each other but you know there's there's nothing going on with the actual cage D- have they added even more mats to the to the sides yes, yes. that happened it a couple like... years ago because okay. before it was just I, a was metal like... grate exactly. <laughs> and everyone hated the match like... <laughs> well fuck them you know it's it's supposed to be dangerous yeah but i don't think it made for even a good match because everyone's so hesitant no. to even fall on the goddamn mm. thing so you could tell everyone hated being in there I don't know, man. Um, it, it wasn't as boring as the first match, uh, but you know, I, I I expected Drew McIntyre to win, um, and then we got what we got afterwards. That's right, uh, with uh, with the Miz showing up uh, and cashing in on. Oh well, first we had Bobby Lashley show up and start beating up Drew McIntyre. Uh, sometime before this, during the pay per view, we see MVP talking to the Miz in the background. Um, so right away when I saw that, I was like, oh, something's going down here. Um, Miz also had a, um, a confrontation with Bad Bunny. 
uh, yes. and Bad Bunny slapped the shit out of him. So I was like, okay, well, something's definitely happening here because he is dressed, um, you know, and it, it, he did threaten before this that he was going to cash in tonight. And he fucking did. Um, I was just surprised to see, you know, Lashley come out and take him out. Um, and, you know, the Miz to actually defeat Drew. I, you know, when he re- got the case because he won the case uh from uh otis and he ended up losing the case and that he ended up re-getting the case back again it's so fucking convoluted um Uh just on some weird technicality that didn't even fucking make sense i was like oh he's he's bound to fucking you know have another cash in where he fails but they chose to give the title to the miz christian your thoughts you know, um, I feel like if I was in a different place with this company and with uh, everything that was going the content wise for WWE, I'd be more shocked. I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I was just like, whatever. This is a transitional championship yes. type of reign for him. Um, you know, they're just doing this to probably put it on probably Lashley or another champion yes. um, if they wanted to down the road. They're just forwarding a storyline this will go away in a month and i will forget that he was ever champion this year and i was anyway, surprised so. it didn't go away at raw the night afterwards mm. honestly i thought okay well mvp definitely brokered some kind of deal between the two and you know lashley is going to be the first person to get a title shot against the miz so i was like exactly i was like the show's going to open up with the miz celebrating and lashley's going to come out ring the bell and lashley's the champion so I thought it was just a roundabout way to get to Lashley versus McIntosh at fucking WrestleMania. And then you get Drew actually winning the belt in front of people and he gets his proper like coronation as a champion. I still think exactly. that's going to happen, um, but maybe it'll be either, you know, I, we, well, we know there's a, a match set up between The Miz and Lashley next week. I feel like they're going to drag it out a little longer and, you know, it might end up being at like Fastlane or something like that. Um, we'll see. We'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if Drew interferes in the match, like right before Lashley's about to like pin him. Drew wasn't on Raw at all the next night. So I feel like they're kind of keeping him, you know, in the shadows and, you know, as a big surprise when it looks like Lashley's going to, you know, win the title. So, um, I don't know. I was fine with it, honestly. My only issue is that they have done nothing but bury Miz over the last year or so. He's won, like, literally, like, two matches or something insane. Um, You know, and if you think about it, like, where the Miz was, like, just a couple years ago, where we were talking about him, like, you know, possibly being the champion within, like, six months or so. You know, right before, you know, he had that turn and went into that program with Shane, we were like, no, he's fucking white hot. Like, it feels like now is the time to put the belt on him again. You know, he had that whole feud with Daniel Bryan. He had that whole talking smack, like, um, segment that just lit him on fucking fire. And he was fine. Mm-hmm. He was really firing on all cylinders. So, but then they do what they do and they end up, you know, ruining his momentum and you know, you get what we get last year or this year, I should say, where he's just kind of there, you know, playing haha. Well, I mean, he's in the most must see, you know, music group <laughs> ever. Hey, hey, ho, ho. I do like the song. Uh, exactly. I, I won't lie. <laughs> uh, but anyway, <laughs> like at least let him win a few matches over the last couple yes. months. Make him seem like kind of a threat. 
so he's more believable as a champion. I don't feel like that would be like telegraphing him actually cashing in the money in the bank and winning the title. It just, I don't know, would put a little respect on his name at least. So, um, but it is what it is. It's just, you know, another chapter in this story and another, you know, speed bump for Drew. If it gets us to a Lashley versus Drew McIntyre match at WrestleMania, I'm happy with it. Hopefully it's not a fucking triple threat match between Lashley, The Miz, and Drew. (laughs) But if it starts to, like, actually get them ratings, which it hasn't, I could see them going that route. Um, But, no, I want to see Lashley and Drew right now. I mean, they've done such a great job building up Lashley over the last, like, you know, four or five months. You know, and, you know, doing what they should have done from the start with his character, you know, um, you know, bringing back that destroyer character that we saw and mm-hmm. fucking impact. Um, this is how he should have been booked from day one. But yet it took him like two and a half years to get here. <laughs> so uh, it's unfortunate, but at least we're here now, um, uh, you know, and hopefully he does get a little title reign and we can look at him as a main eventer from now on. Exactly. I'm I'm sorry. I'm just having visions of the Miz versus Rock and Cena and. <laughs> It's... Oh God, that was awful. <laughs> you know, I, I and part of me is happy for him. I will uh-huh. admit, you know, <laughs> because I do feel like it's we're not in any threat of a like long title reign from him. No, so I mean, he gets to walk around and say that he's a the only two time Grand Slam winner, so which is pretty impressive. Which is crazy, that is right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it took All him right, like well, ten years to do it in between. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Well, if you had to give this a star rating, Damon, what would you give? It? I'm going to give it three stars. Um, yeah, I'm. I was going to say the same thing. So yeah. three stars. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> most of the matches are pretty forgettable. I mean, uh-huh. but just some really like sloppy storytelling. Um, you know, which is unfortunate because I feel like you know all the wrestlers worked hard here and they deserve better. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely something that we're going to be wondering what happened at this pay-per-view in like a couple years. Like, we're just like, what, what happened oh, to Elimination I'm Chamber sure, in 2021? I'm sure they booked this thing like just hours before everything oh, yeah. took place. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm sure the writers had a plan and Vince just, of course, uh-huh. you know, tore it up and, you know, rewrote it like from scratch. So I don't know. It's two o'clock in the morning though. It's time to go home. <laughs> yeah it's time <laughs> alright that does it for this week that's right and as a friendly reminder if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform remember to subscribe rate and give us a 5 star review exactly it sure does help an independent podcast like ours to continue to grow and while you're at it make sure to tell a friend plus if you like any of the stories we talked about on this week's episode make sure to check us out on Facebook Instagram and Twitter to catch the full articles trailers memes and more that's right, you can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show on all social media platforms. And hey, if you're looking for extra content, make sure to catch our streams every weekend on Twitch, plus YouTube videos Monday through Friday. Want to support the show further? You can head over to tpublic.com and get yourself some Amazing Nerd Show merch. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional nerd swag if you live in the United States. Well, all right, David, what are we talking about next week? Well, join us next week as we talk some more WandaVision and a whole lot more. That's right. My name's Christian. And my name's Damon. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show. And I killed Sparky, too.